Good morning. You guys, welcome. Uh, my name is Evan Wickham. Uh, my wife Sandy and I have the joy of leading this church, and we are going to read the text in a bit. Uh, the, the text, you can open to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 2. Um, we're continuing our series called Receive the Holy Spirit. This series is going to take us all the way through July, all the way through Sabbath month. That's what Jake just finished talking about. Every year, July is a month of rest. A lot of us go on vacation, including pastors, and you're going to hear from various voices from within the church over July on Sunday mornings. We're going to keep hearing about the Holy Spirit. And today, we are talking about something very specific that interests almost everyone who's ever lived, okay? And it's this idea of hearing God's voice. Hearing God's voice. So it, if you're a believer, even if you're not, if you're an atheist here, first of all, super glad you're here. Very welcome that you're here. Uh, I, I, I know plenty of atheists. I've met plenty that are like, it'd be great to hear God's voice. Everybody wants to hear God's voice, right? Uh, whether you're Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, Christian, whatever, or even if you check the none box, like I'm deconstructing, I don't have any spiritual map that I ascribe to, but it'd be great to hear God's voice, have God like put a big baby face in the screen when I ask him to speak, or a big alligator, or make a, just speak to me through the sky. It'd be really great. Um, and that's what we're talking about today. Like, God, if you're there, please say something. What are we asking for when we say that? Hearing God's voice. And I just want to start with the good news today. Here's the good news. Uh, as followers of Jesus and worshipers of the creator God, who is Father, Son, and Spirit, we believe God does speak. Uh, God became human and, and lived a human life, died a sinner's death, being not a sinner himself, rose from the dead, breathed his spirit on his followers, and said, receive the Holy Spirit and expect me to speak to you, to your mind, by the Spirit of God. And according to the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks directly to the minds of God's children uniquely by, the, by His Spirit. He's done this all throughout history. You guys, what is the Bible if not chock full of stories about men and women who hear God's voice and obey? And then through obeying God's voice, they step into what Jesus calls fullest life, flourishing life. And so some of, so much of what life is comes down to this. You hear and obey God's voice and step into his goodness, right? This is why we spend so much time here at this church talking about prayer and scripture reading and bread and cup and worship and community, generosity, justice, all these things. It's all to practice awareness and receptivity to the voice of God in our lives so we might hear, obey, and really live, like live fully. This is so important. Slide five, we're gonna start with, if we wanna be the kind of church that leads the way in racial justice and political unrest, and you name it, and we stay unified, even when our country's divided and chaotic, then we have to learn how to hear and obey God's voice. This is how we will see Jesus' dream come true. That the Father's kingdom would come in San Diego as it is in heaven through us. This is how. A community that responds. 
So, uh, as I said before, and I'm going to read a text that says this explicitly, 1 Corinthians 2. One of the primary ways God speaks is to our hearts and to our minds. God speaks directly to our minds. The Spirit of God has access to your mind. And, and that's what Paul is talking about all through 1 Corinthians 2, where he says that famous line, we have the what? The mind of Christ. He says we have the mind of Christ, children of God. And this is because we have the Holy Spirit. So here's how the teaching is going to go. First, we're going to briefly walk through 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 16. And then we're going to spend the rest of this talk answering a bunch of questions that I'm sure you're already raising in your minds. Uh, you're like, what do you mean God's speaking? Like hearing voices, isn't that like diagnosable? Like what? Like I don't want, like, I don't, that's, it sounds kind of scary. These are good questions. You should have serious concerns when it comes to listening to voices. You should have concerns. You should be concerned and very interested in this topic. Um, so incredible stuff. Here we go. First, the scriptures. Paul is making an argument that God speaks his wisdom into his children by his spirit. So here it is, 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 9. He says, as it is written, he's quoting an older Bible verse, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. So before we go any further, this is profound. Can we just pray and acknowledge the presence of the God who speaks right now? Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Father, pour your love out into our hearts. Show us how good Jesus is. You are strong and you are good. King Jesus, have your way in the world through your people by your spirit's power in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So you see that verse. Let's, let's look at it for a second. Paul's quoting a 500 years older prophet named, anyone know? Isaiah. I heard one person. That's right. Paul's quoting Isaiah. 500 years before Paul, this prophet's like freaking out over how amazing God's mind is. And he's like, no one can know it. God is so deep and unsearchable. And, and he's like, no ear has heard, no eye has seen. God is like the de and a, a bottomless pit of wisdom. And, and Paul's like, until now. Seriously, it, it, Isaiah's like, like, you cannot know the mind of God. He's like, except for us. He's like, make way for the Holy Spirit. Remember that stuff you can't hear or see that's in God's mind? Well, these are the things God's revealed by his spirit to us now. Now that Christ has come and given us his spirit, we have what the prophets dreamed of. This direct link to the mind of the Trinity, you guys. So this is Paul's logic. Look at the rest of the passage, the rest here, starting in verse 10. He says, uh, next slide. Yeah, the next, yeah, he says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so Paul's using this, uh, he's using psychology, really. He's saying, you, you have things inside you that not even you know of, right? There are things you don't even know you know, which is why 
you have certain triggers that remind you of certain memories at certain times, whether it's good or bad, because you have a subconscious. You have a deep well inside of you. And Paul's saying God has a deep well. And only the Spirit knows the bottom of it. And, and verse 11, he says, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit? This is, you're deep. You're a deep being. God is also a deep being. And he says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit. And then he says, verse 12, what we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given. And this is what we speak. Not words taught by human wisdom, but words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. He's like, only the spirit knows the depth of God, and guess what? You have the spirit. <laughs> Profound what's happening here. Um, and then he finishes the text in verse 16 by messing with Isaiah again. He's using Isaiah as like a dialogue partner. <laughs> so 500 years before, Isaiah's like, who can know the mind of the Lord? And Isaiah was saying, nobody can. Paul's like, until us. We can. We have the mind of Christ. I love that. Who on earth can know God's mind? Paul's like, we do. The spirit-filled church that the prophets could only dream of and the angels desire to look into. The angels are jealous of you, brothers and sisters, united by the spirit. And so this right here, we just walked through this text for one reason. This is the basis of everything we're going to say today. Followers of Jesus are people who receive the Spirit, and through the Spirit, God's wisdom is revealed to your mind. You, as a follower of Jesus, have direct access to the mind of Christ through the Spirit, which means God desires to speak, to speak directly to your mind. And so right away, I feel the questions percolating. I see like glazed stares, like that sounds tricky. <laughs> that sounds even scary. Like, isn't that subjective? Yep, it can be. Well, what if I get God wrong? What if I get a picture or a word and I just misinterpret? Isn't it open to interpretation? Yep. Well, isn't that unclear? Uh-huh, 100%. And by the way, so is the Bible. The Bible needs interpretation. It's not just what does the Bible say, it's what does it mean? Everybody can read it. It's about wisely interpreting it in community. And then how do you apply the Bible? You can't just spread it like butter across the whole human race. It has to be subjectively applied based on everybody's situation. And even there are passages in the Bible that are unclear. It's like, man, what in the world does that passage mean? I don't know, let's ask Peter one day when we're in heaven, I guess. So many passages, it's like, what, what is going on there? But more on the Bible later, we're gonna talk about that next year in deep ways. It's gonna be, I think, really helpful for our community. What if it's, here's a, what if it's not the Spirit I'm hearing? You're saying God speaks by the Spirit. What if I'm hearing my own wishful thinking? or pop culture, or my political bias. I really wanna be on the right side, politically. Or what if it's my dad from when I was nine, and I'm just hearing this? Guilt, or shame, or maybe a demon. What, what if it's a demon? I get alone, and I meditate, and I hear this voice. 
And what if I get it wrong and I interpret it wrong and I do damage? This is all important stuff, you guys. Legitimate questions. So for the rest of this teaching, I want to focus on four big questions that hopefully get underneath all of our questions. And, and here's the four questions. How does God speak? How do we know it's him speaking? Why don't we hear it more? And then how can we open ourselves to the true voice of God? These are the four questions. We're going to spend the majority of the time on that first question because I think that leads into the rest. So number one, how does he speak? Obviously, most of us would love it to be thunder and audible from the clouds, like voice. That'd be amazing. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like we nod, right? It'd be nice to hear. If, I'd, if I'm honest, I'd, picking between like an inward sense, I have, this, I have this vague sense in the spirit versus audible voice of God, I'd probably pick the audible voice. Um, like you do listening prayer and you have, this, you have this gift, you can just speak over people and it's always right or whatever. I would love that. But I think that's the wrong idea. I, I actually want to debunk that desire right now. Um, it's not better, I think, to hear the audible voice of God. Here's why. John 12, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying, you have the next slide, He's saying, uh, my soul's troubled. I'm going to go to the cross, basically. And then he says, verse 28, Father, glorify your name. And then the Father, th he speaks. The Father speaks a voice from heaven. He says, I have glorified it. And I'll glorify it again. Look what happens. The crowd that was there heard the voice and said, it thundered. Others said, no, an angel spoke to him. And Jesus even says, this voice was for your benefit. So there's this audible voice from God. Jesus says it's good. And watch what the people do in the next verse, 34. The crowd spoke up. We've heard from the law, the Messiah will remain. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? By the way, who even is, who is the Son of Man again? So, so the Father's voice speaks over the Son of Man. They're like, well, who is he? They miss, they miss it. Um, and, and by the way, notice, some of them are like, it's thunder. I heard thunder. And, and that's, what is thunder? It's a naturalistic explanation, right? Science knows what causes thunder. We explain it through naturalism. We can explain it through naturalistic means, rather. And others are like, no, it's spiritualism. It was an angel. It was supernatural. It wasn't natural. And so now they start fighting <laughs> over the source of the voice. It was natural. No, it was supernatural. And Jesus is like, you missed it. It's about my identity. You're clueless. So this story is a case in point. Even if we got a voice from heaven telling you what to do, there's a really good chance you miss the point. Another question, what if an angel, I, I grew up wa watching Michael Landon. You guys know Michael Landon? He was the, the father, the guy in Little House on the Prairie who became an angel after Little House on the Prairie season stopped. And he made, I forget that, Highway to Heaven or whatever. An angel would come and speak. To people, <laughs> and then touched by an angel. Can't I, I was grew up super Christian. Okay, so sorry. <laughs> but there's the, like I, I had this I had this idea that a guardian. I want to see my guardian angel. I even had a private Christian school teacher say, "If you want to see your guardian angel, just ask the Lord, and ask Him to send you a vision of your guardian angel as a blessing." <laughs> and that'd be awesome. I feel like that would be awesome, right? Maybe, maybe not. Zachariah the father of John the Baptist, sees an angel. He's, he's doing all the right things. He's a holy man in the holy temple on a holy day. 
And, and he's doing the holy things, sacrificing, and an angel, boom, appears out of nowhere and says, Zachariah, you'll have a baby. He's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. He'll be John the Baptist. And I have to put Zechariah's response on the screen because it's hilarious. How can I be sure? <laughs> Actual quote. I'm not paraphrasing. So, so angel shows up and he goes, how can I be sure that this is going to happen? Um, so you think the angel would be enough, but it's not. Besides, have you ever studied angels in the Bible? Trust me, my sixth grade elementary school private Christian teacher was wrong. I do not want to see my guardian angel. You know what happens when people see angels in the Bible? They, they, they panic attack. They all do, 100%, which is why every time the angel has to say, don't be afraid, because they're terrified. <laughs> every time. There's something otherworldly and horrific about the spiritual realm that you don't want to see, and you wouldn't get it if you did. Uh, so, so not a voice from heaven, not an angel. What about Jesus? If, like, Jesus of Nazareth embodied in my house in normal heights, knocked on my door, and proved that he's Jesus and started talking to me. First of all, I'd need an Aramaic interpreter. Uh, and, and secondly, would I understand? Would I understand? Well, the disciples lived with him, and, and this scene happens all the time. Here's, 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 I think, Matthew. Next slide. Matthew 15. Peter, can you give that parable again? Jesus is like, why are you so dull? <laughs> Another quote, not a paraphrase. This happens all the time in Matthew. Um, and this wasn't Jesus appearing. This is them living with him for three years. So... Uh, even if Jesus himself appeared and spoke verbally, audibly, there's a good chance, just like the disciples, you miss the point. You miss what's going on. So the fact is, God is just not always easy to understand, you guys. Sometimes he is, but a lot of the time his voice is unclear, ambiguous, fuzzy, and humans are left confused. So God is God. God is God. Which means he could have set up the universe differently, right? Like he could have set it up so that every Jesus follower gets a private Zoom call at 6.50 a.m. And it's, it's like, good morning, Evan. Here I am. I'm God and I love you. I once again say, behold, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Wink, face. And then, and then by the way, your second son, this week he's had a little bit of a low week, so like make sure you have five minutes today with him. Just just put a note in that, and then see you at 9 p.m. tonight for the reflection, all right? And that would be awesome. I think that would be great. He could have set it up that way, but he did not. Why not? We can, we can guess. We don't know for sure. We don't know, but we do know one thing. In the scriptures, God is clearly after this this relationship thing. Genuine, not an autoresponder Zoom call, but a two-way pursuit of communication. And every healthy relationship requires this two-way pursuit, even in your friendships. It's not always clear what your friends mean, is it? You have to go, okay, we both use words, 
but I don't think we both mean the things we just said. What did you mean behind the words you used? And then you believe the best. This is called the chase. This is a relationship. So, like my wife Sandy and I, I, I love her, obviously, married to her. I love doing all kinds of things with her, movies, cooking, uh, the whole deal, raising kids, romance, the whole thing. But by far the most important thing we do relationally is communicate. That's it. Our connection is built on true communication. And, and this is what relationships are. All the way down, right? Authentic, open communication. So this is exactly what God wants with each of you. Ongoing, gritty, emotional relationship that invites clarifying meanings and circling back on open-ended conversations. So then why is God's voice such an ambiguous thing to think about? If God wants us to speak to him and him to us, why is this so hard to nail down? Here's how I think about this. And so when I look at the story of scriptures, there seems to be something almost romantic, romantic about God's relationship with humans. And I don't mean sexual, I mean romantic in the sense of the chase. I think of David Bennett two weeks ago when he talked about the erotic love of God. It's something deeper than temporary human uh, physical expressions of orgasmic eroticism. And it's God's deep satisfying of our embodied longings. God's romantic, he, he desires, it's like the deer in the Psalms, as the deer pants, an animal pants for the water. So my soul pants for you. And without this hunger pain for God, there's no awareness of the food that he is, the satisfying person that he is for our souls. And, and so God is wanting to respond not just to our surface level wants. Who do I need to meet today? What do I need to do to get the most money in my job? What job? He's, that's like, maybe he's interested, but he's far more interested in what you're doing with your deepest gut level desires. Do they belong to him or to, or to your own ego? This is what he's after. And so are you a deer? Are you a, well, a wild animal in the wilderness panting for hydration, the living water that comes only from the presence of God? This is how he knows you and how you are to know him. And, and so this is the theme all through the Bible of seeking God searching him out. It's all through. Search, knock, seek, ask, chase, right? Jeremiah 29 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Not just a compartment that you put in your American Christian duty bucket, but your whole being, every cell of your physiology belongs to God. You can do no other. Is this the seeking you have for God? So there's something about this God wants. He wants us to pursue, chase, and search. And when we do, he promises his presence. He promises his satisfying presence for our longing. So by the way, this relates directly to last week. A.J. Swoboda came and talked about doubt and deconstruction. And you guys, it's true. Doubt leads to truth, just like your hunger pains are supposed to lead you to food. Is God really what you're hungry for? That's the difference between honest doubt and dishonest doubt. Honest doubt is really searching 
for substance and answers, where dishonest doubt is just searching for exits. And AJ put his finger on this. Are you searching for the living God who demands a whole body response from you? Because that's the only God that exists. God has wired us to be in real relationship with him, which requires listening to him. And when he speaks, we respond. And when we forget who he is, we choose to remember his promises and his past faithfulness. Just like Drew saying today, your promise still stands. You've been faithful. You've never stopped being faithful. And so when we remember his promises, we're, spon- we're responding to a real life person who desires a gritty, erotic in the truest sense, deep down into your gut level cravings. He desires y- your craving to be found in him, satisfied by him. So all that said, this is what I'm trying to say. God speaks. God speaks. Even if it's not crystal clear, God does speak. So how? How does he speak? First and foremost, he's spoken, number one, through Jesus. God has spoken through Jesus. Number one, even before the Bible, God has spoken through Jesus. This is how it works. Hebrews 1 says this, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. I love how a pastor friend of mine in Missouri, he says, Jesus is what God has to say. So you want to know what the ultimate word of God is. It's not just words on a page. It's not text. The ultimate word of God is a person. Jesus is the living word of God. How does God speak? Ultimately through flesh, blood, lived experience, Jesus of Nazareth. That that could be a whole year of sermons. That is probably going to be the whole Advent series this year. So first, God spoke through Jesus. Secondly, God speaks through the scriptures. And Paul writes it this way. All scriptures God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's all of us, can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We trust the Bible, guys. We trust it. Even if it's unclear at times, we trust what God is trying to do in it. Um, so we know God speaks through the scriptures, but guess what? The, the scriptures are generic, not specific. The scriptures are generic, not specific for all of life. Here's what I mean by that. The scriptures can tell you what kind of person you are supposed to marry, but they cannot tell you who to marry. It's not what they're designed to do. The scriptures can tell you how you need chosen family, a family of faith that's thicker than blood, a community of the spirit. You need that, but it can't tell you what city to do that in. You can't read the Bible and say, and then Paul went to Ephesus and be like, oh, I just read, I'm called to Ephesus. I'm called to move to Turkey. That's not how it works. The Bible can tell you what kind of job is in line with the kingdom of God, but the scriptures, they can't tell you where to work. Scriptures, they can tell you how to treat the poor, how to treat human life from womb to tomb, how to treat the immigrant at the Mexican border. The scriptures can tell you how to treat the homeless and the refugee, but they cannot give you a 2022 midterm election voter's guide, contrary to some opinions in some churches. Scriptures cannot do that. 
So one way I like to talk about this, Jesus is the capital W word of God and the scriptures are the little w word of God. We hear the voice of God first and foremost through Jesus and secondly through the scriptures, which Paul calls God breathed. Paul calls the Bible God breathed. You know, that's the only time in the Bible that that word shows up, God breathed. And, and, and we sometimes interpret it inspired, but it's really more specific than that because the Bible's not inspired like a song I wrote about my wife is inspired by my wife. I've heard that. I've heard that on, on, on uh, some funky podcast. You know, the Bible's inspired the same way that a song I wrote about my wife is inspired. People just wrote their thoughts about God and so the Bible's inspired by God. I'm like, no, it's actually, you can, you can make up that meaning. That's not what Paul meant. <laughs> Paul, when Paul said the Bible is God breathed, he literally meant it emanated from the lungs of God and also the lungs of humans. In the same way Jesus was fully God and fully human, the Bible's fully divine and thoroughly human and messy. So, so, so a huge chunk of what we need to know from God is here in this library of books. You have a library of books in your hand. We passed it out to you and, and you back in here. You have a library of books that were breathed by the same breath that brought order over chaos in line two of the Bible when the Spirit hovered. He breathed order to reveal his son through text. And his son's actually the living word. It's miraculous what God has done. What does this mean? It means the Bible is where you go to find, is it where you go to find the age of the universe? No, actually, it's not. The Bible is where you go to find why the universe exists, where we came from in the sense of God's heart, where everything's headed in the sense of God's home. The Bible is where we go to find ethics, how God defines right and wrong, human sexuality, marriage and relationships, the why and the who behind all of this. The way of Jesus, it's all right here in this book. If you want to start hearing God's voice, step one, you wake up and read the scriptures. You want to start hearing God's voice, step one, you read. Another way God speaks is through creation. So Jesus, scripture, and now creation. Romans 1 says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, divine nature, it's been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so people are without excuse. You know what this means? If you, if you are a human creature living in creation and you have a mind that is able to process creation in some way, then you have a trail of breadcrumbs from God. The trail of breadcrumbs isn't what saves you. Jesus is what saves you. But if we follow the breadcrumbs, I believe everyone can be saved through Jesus. I know that raises questions, but that seems to be what Paul says. People are without excuse. Creation has revealed enough to go by if we surrender to God. This basically means stars, forests, beach, sunsets. God speaks through all that stuff, you guys. And another way he speaks is through prophecy. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially what? We're all supposed to want that, prophecy. 
Maybe you come from a tradition where that's a little bit scary. That's okay. Bring that fear and work it out here. That's totally fine. You're safe to be scared of prophecy. Um, But here's the deal. Um, The one who prophesies does what? Look at the rest. What's it for? What's prophecy for? Strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Which means if you got a word spoken over you by someone claiming to be God's authority and it didn't lead to strengthening, encouraging, and comfort, comfort, chances are deny that word. It was not God. So, yeah, yeah. So prophecy is just another way of saying when people, when, when God speaks to you through another person. So it could happen during a sermon. Maybe it's during a community dinner. You're with your community and someone's like, hey, I was praying on Monday. You came to mind, Jeff. And I just had this vision, this word, this picture with this scripture or whatever. And in humility, I could be off, but I want to share this with you. Hopefully it strengthens you in this specific way. It reminds you how you're loved and, and it comforts you if you're going through it. Here it is. And I could be way off. Sometimes prophetic strengthening, it doesn't feel good. Honestly, it could feel kind of weird because sometimes uh, it involves a call to repent of sin. But listen, since repentance is ultimately for refreshment, then even that is for your encouragement. That's for your comfort. This is why when it comes to prophecy... We need to be very careful to test it. Test prophecy. How? This is why you go to church. <laughs> this is why you can't do Christianity alone. If someone's like, I was in my closet, now I have a word for the whole church, I'm going to put it on Facebook and I don't go to really it. I don't know if I have any authority over my life, but here's the word. Beware. You can just pretty much forget about it at that point. Cast it aside. You test the spirit of prophecy in the community of the spirit. Paul says it this way. The spirits of the prophets, next, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God's not a God of order, but of peace, as in all the churches. This is why you go to church, one of the many reasons. So we can open ourselves to being corrected lovingly and say, hey, I don't know, I don't know if that word that you spoke was totally on. And we need to be open to being like, oh, I, I stand corrected. I submit to your authority as my brother and sister in relationship and the authority of my leadership where I've chosen to commit to this community. So, so that, that should be happening in a healthy way. In other words, yes, God speaks through prophecy, but needs to be tested in community. So I think of the classic, you know, Bible college line. I, I didn't go to Bible. How many of you went to like Bible college? Yeah, there's some of you. That's good. I, I didn't end up going about, but I, I knew a lot of Bible college folks growing up. And, and I heard this happens a lot. Tell me if I'm wrong. Hey, God spoke to me. We're supposed to be together and be married. That's like not uncommon to hear people actually say that. No, test that hard. Test that spirit. Run it by the authorities. You know what I mean? No one can say that to you or for you. Uh, you test that. Um, so that's just one funny example that actually sadly happened, happens a lot. Um, there, there are several other ways God speaks through Scripture as well. He dreams, visions, angels, and yes, the rare audible voice, which can be confusing. 
And of course, this one's tricky. How else does God speak? Here's a tricky one. He speaks through circumstances. He actually can speak through circumstances. Here's why it's tricky. Yes, he speaks through circumstances. uh, And we Christians have lingo for this. God opened doors. (laughs) Or God closed the door. I'm not supposed to do it. Or whatever. We have that, right? Um, We have to be careful, though. Because God isn't the only being who can open or close doors. God's will isn't the only will out there. There are other wills at play. The scriptures talk about the unholy trinity that's actually anti-Christ, the flesh, devil, world. Flesh, devil, and world. And all three of these things can open and close doors. They can all change your life, right? Our flesh, our, our appetites, they can make us lazy. It's like, no, nah, the door's closed. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> make us lazy or, or cynical, Or it can lead us to misinterpret our circumstances, which is why we need to be filled with the Spirit, right? Paul pits the acts of the flesh against the works, the fruit of the Spirit. And and then the devil, man, he's a pathological liar who Jesus called a murderer from the beginning. He can outright lie to your mind about your circumstances and your identity. You're unlovable, unworthy, you can't do, which is why we need to put on what Paul in Ephesians calls the whole armor of God. Uh, I'm not a fan of warfare metaphors, but they're plenty in scripture, so I submit to scripture and use them just like the scriptures do. Uh, The armor of God, prayer, scripture, community, bread, cup, worship, generosity, these things spiritually, emotionally guard us from the very real attacks of a spiritual being who is hell-bent against God and those who remind him of God. So, so, so we have flesh, devil, and the world. What about the world? God so loved the world. So in one sense, the world is wonderful and beautiful and good. But the Bible uses the word world in another way to describe corruption and systems of oppression, injustice multiplied at the governmental level almost. So, so um, some circumstances can feel like an open door because the world is opening it to you. The, un- the unjust world wants you to be greedier, <laughs> wants you to play favorites. Or, or the world, the systems of oppression can close a door on a people that are underprivileged. So sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances that are meant, to, the door is supposed to be kicked in. It's closed, but you're supposed to kick it in by the power of the Spirit. Or, or, or maybe there's an open door, and it's like a job to make extra money, glittering, glittering promises of stepping up the corporate ladder, but you're supposed to say, no. God is calling you to close that door that the world is opening. Or, or think of the closed door on the black community in the 1960s, all across our country, and still remains closed to this day in many ways. There are closed doors that are meant to be forced open by the community of the Spirit. What did MLK and other pastors all across the South lead the black church in doing through prayer meetings that led into diner sit-ins and all kinds of other demonstrations by the power of the Spirit? What was that? That was kicking open closed doors that the world was shutting on people without privilege. And the Spirit was causing the church to kick them open. So you can't just, you can't just say, well, the door's closed. I'm supposed to go this way. Or the door's open. I'm supposed to go get it. You can't, we can't fully rely on circumstances to tell us what God wants. 
although that's part of it. I see how it's, it's, it's tricky, which is why you need a community. All this to say, here it is, God can speak through circumstances, but it's tricky when you surround ourselves with Bible and community. And then God can speak through other things. You ever heard that phrase, I just didn't have a peace about it? You ever heard that? Or maybe, I just had a tremendous peace. I know it doesn't make sense, but I feel like a divine peace on my life. I'll never forget the moment we almost jumped the gun and moved from San Diego to Portland too early. So back in 2010, seven years before Park Hill was launched, um, Sandy and I were at a church here in San Diego and we were just getting to know the Portland community of churches and John Mark Comer and I were becoming really close friends and he's like, hey, come up, come lead the worship up in this church, it's growing, it's awesome, it's exciting, it's everything you agree with and believe in and everything. And I'm just like, oh, this is perfect, it makes sense logically and I see a movement there and I'd be paid more and it would, it would just feel better with all of my, everywhere I'm headed theologically in my mind and heart and, uh, and they sent me the hiring documents four pages with my job description and a dotted line. And I remember bringing the pen down to the paper and like within an inch of the paper, I just felt like I was gonna puke all of a sudden. And, and my stomach just felt like it was gonna explode. Like if I signed my name on the hiring doc, I would be, I would enter a darkness. And I'm like, man. And so I went to Sandy. I'm like, Sandy, I know we talked about moving up there and here's the documents, but I felt this. She's like, I do too. And then I went to our church leaders in San Diego at the time, and they're like, well, that's great that you don't feel peace. We were just gonna open up the Wednesday night Bible study for you to teach for the next couple years. And if you wanna still teach, uh, the lead pastor, his name was Mike, he's like, I'll take Sunday, and Evan, you can take Wednesdays for the next couple years, and maybe in the future you can plant a church. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that resonates. And, and um, that lack of peace was the voice of God, because if we would have moved in 2010, I would have come on staff in Portland as worship leader, and maybe never came back home <laughs> uh, to San Diego. But three years later, we circled back and they're like, hey, you wanna come up? This time you come up as an embedded church planter, we'll train you, pay your way through seminary, and then send you back to San Diego, your hometown where you can plant Park Hill Church. And the, the plan clarified over three years. And, and so this was the voice of God uh, disturbing the peace in my guts. This happens too. It doesn't happen very often, but this was the most remarkable time. So the major point I'm making, God speaks. Are you hungry for this? So the last three questions we're gonna go through quicker. Uh, the second one is, how do we know it's God? That sense of peace, the community discernment, that prophetic word, how do you know it's God? Because it could be wishful thinking, or like Mike Pilavachi says, indigestion. You know? It could be your dad speaking from when you were 11, and you're just not believing the truth. You're believing a lie. Or it could be demonic beings. Here's a pretty intense example. I, I, I just say this example to illustrate the point. Um, again, this is rare, but it's true. A few years ago, I read this chilling account of a missionary he started a church in a little remote village and one of the new converts to Christianity, this, this individual from the tribe there, he, he was serving in the church, he was helping out in the little church building hut thing or whatever, and this new Christian 
native person, indigenous person, said, or he, he walked by the pastor and, and killed the pastor with a hatchet in his back. And later on, this individual was, was questioned. He was a new Christian, and he, they're like, why did you kill the pastor? And the individual responded, I was walking by him. I heard a voice that was extremely loud inside of me say, kill the pastor, and I couldn't refuse, and I did. Now, I don't doubt, I tell that extreme story to say this, I don't doubt that individual heard a voice, but that was not the voice of the Spirit of God. It was most likely the voice of a cruel, vile, unholy spirit mixed with mental issues of other kinds. So, um, obviously that's an extreme example, but we, we all wonder like, wow, what if I'm being influenced by something I don't want to be? Especially in our age of authority abuse. Like, oh man, how, who do I trust? Um, and we want to know, is there a true and good and beautiful authority behind this voice that I'm responding to? Or is it my own ego, even? So who is speaking? Who is speaking? How do we find out? First off, again, I'm going to come back to this. Does it line up with Scripture? Does it line up with Scripture? So if that individual in that indigenous tribe, if he, if he knew what Jesus said about loving your enemy and the command not to kill and all of that and really was fully present to his mind at that moment, it may have been a different outcome. Does it line up with Scripture? So that was a rare example. Here's a more common example, maybe. Here's a, here's a basic example for all of us. God will never tell you to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's like, oh, but, but it feel, God gave us a sense. He gave us a green light. No, pretty sure the scriptures are still right and articulate human sexuality in a way that flourishes in human society. So again, God will never teach, he'll never give you a piece about cheating on your taxes. He'll never tell you to stop being generous. Here's one, God's voice will never demean or demoralize you. Sin is never safe in God's presence, but people are. People always are. Unless, of course, people willingly, knowingly embrace their sin, specific sin. They embrace it despite what God lovingly reveals. But even then, God won't demean you. He won't demoralize you. He will absolutely shine a light on sin, living against God's clear guidance. He will shine a light on sin, but it's for healing, not harm. Understand, God loves you. His desire is to pour his Father's, Jesus wants to pour his Father's love into your soul by the Holy Spirit so you experience him. So if you have demeaning voices, like, oh, I'm not enough, unlovable, unworthy, and I, I just wake up in the morning feeling this low-grade anxiety and I can't really pinpoint why. I just feel like something bad's gonna happen. Um, and it's not connected to any specific sins that you are intentionally hiding. Well, then those voices might be coming from a voice that's not God. Uh, it's, it's, it's the, they might even be coming from people in your life. Either way, that voice is not the creator God. Because it's in direct conflict with the story of Scripture, the teachings of Jesus. So again, this is why 
It's so important to be in the Bible, you guys. Man alive, the Bible is, is key. We have to cultivate understanding of the scriptures so we have a litmus test for what we think might be the voice of God. Read it daily, like backwards and forwards, and ask, does this sense, does this strong sense align with the scriptures and not just my own reading of it, because you and I can read, we all can read English if we read an English Bible. It's not about what it says, it's about what it means. It's not what the Bible says, it's what does it mean. And the way we do that is in community. We interpret the scriptures in community. No, Peter says later, there is no scripture of private interpretation. We do it in community and with 2,000 years of church history. All together, you guys, it's thick, this witness we have. We're nowhere near alone in this journey. Um, and just, just to kind of underline this, you guys, this Christmas, we hit five years. Park, Park Hill Church, five years old this Christmas. Um, and we, in five years, we've seen a lot of people come through this church. We're very transient. Just put it one way. We're a very transient church. How many of you remember launch day in this room? Christmas Eve 2017, I see maybe four hands, six hands, seven. So that is a small percentage of this room, right? We're very transient, which is beautiful. It, it means we've seen thousands of people come and go through this church as they come for school or work and then go for opportunities in other cities. So, so our pastors have met with hundreds, if not thousands, of individual Christians over the last five years, many of whom say they experience God as distant. Very common. And if that's you today, this is the place we process that. You're welcome to feel unsure about this whole sermon. Very common, hundreds if not thousands. I just don't feel God's presence. I don't know his voice. I don't know how to, they feel discouraged. And you know what's interesting? Nine times out of 10, you know what's the common thread? The scriptures are not part of their daily lives. I don't think that's a coincidence. Just point that out lovingly as your friendly neighborhood pastor. <laughs> if, you, if you wanna start hearing God's voice, step one, you wake up and read. You wake up and read, you pray the Psalms. You walk through the Old and New Testaments, even when it doesn't make sense. Even if it's just a chapter a day, when you step into the scriptures, you're stepping into a framework where God has chosen to make his voice heard through Jesus. So whose voice are you hearing? Number one, read. Number two, ask yourself, does this voice sound like Jesus? What does Jesus sound like? He says, my sheep hear my voice. You have the next slide. I know them, they follow me. What does his voice sound like? I am gentle and humble in heart. That is what Jesus sounds like, you guys. Gentle and humble. So when you listen to that political podcast, ask yourself, is this voice gentle? Is this voice humble? Or when you're tempted to repeat what you heard on the podcast, is what is about to happen going to affect the other person gently? Humbly. Whose voice are you listening to? Brings us to question, uh, our third big question of the day. 
why don't we hear his voice more? Why is it so hard to hear sometimes? Let me suggest four reasons why we don't hear God's voice. They're not the only four, but they're big ones. Number one, we get God's character wrong. You guys, we think he's angry. We think he doesn't like us. So when we hear a positive thought, we're like, that can't be him. Not just any positive thought, but one that specifically aligns with his own revelation. Exodus 34, verse six and seven, God says, I am Yahweh. Yahweh, Elohim. What's the first word that describes him? Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. Yes, he does not let up on sin. He will not let sin sabotage his children. But he punishes sin to the third and fourth generation. Meanwhile, he visits steadfast love to thousands of generations. That is how he tips the scales. That is how he feels about you. Okay, so, so, let, so if you don't believe God is a God who delights in you, then you don't believe in God as he is, the God who exists. If your picture of God is that he's just frustrated and, and he has like a horrible plan in mind and something bad might happen and, and because he's not really delighting in you, then no wonder you don't recognize him when he comes at you with love. You're like, oh, that can't be him because it's awful. If you're only listening for a God who's angry, no wonder you're missing the God who exists. So we get his character wrong. And number two, we fill our day with noise. We don't stop to listen. Too busy, distracted to hear. And number three, we don't ask. All the seeking psalms, seek, hunger, thirst. Man, do you think that deer in the wilderness that wild beast that's dehydrated is asking for something. Even though it doesn't have words, its whole being is asking. Ask. And this is what God is after, your whole being. And number four, one of the reasons we don't hear him is because we don't repent of sin. Sometimes, you know, when I do listening prayer, like, Holy Spirit, come. You're in, a, you're in your community group. It's like, come and speak. Has this ever happened to you? It's like, Holy Spirit, speak. And then you start sitting still to speak, and you're like, oh, no. And there's this specific, I'm not talking about ambiguous shame, and it's just this vague sense of dread that you can't pinpoint, and it makes you sick. Not talking about that. I'm talking about that specific relationship that, that specific word, that specific lie that you have spoken that you have not repented of. It's a, it's a very concrete act of repentance that comes up. If that happens to you, guess what? That is okay. That's beautiful. You know what that is? That's God speaking. If this happens to you, guess what? Good news. That's probably the easiest one of these to fix. God is gracious and compassionate. And as you befriend that confession, speak it into the air in community and receive forgiveness at the table. This is you leaving your sin behind and abiding in the goodness of God. So that was four reasons we don't hear his voice, which brings up the last question. How do we? How do we open ourselves to hear. Just flip those last four on their head. If we don't read, let's read. 
Meditate on the scriptures. Shoot for daily. You have the next slide. Yeah, meditate on the scriptures. Do you read daily? Little, little tip. If you don't think you have the time, just remember, we only run out of time for the things that aren't important for us. Number two, pray and then listen. Again, shoot for daily. Even if it's five minutes in the a.m. sometime and five minutes in the p.m., just two check-ins. Holy Spirit, come. I sit with you. Thank you for that meal I just had. Thank you for that interaction with my coworker. What are you saying to me? And then maybe keep a list. God said this, he brought this to mind. And then as you keep a running list, you're like, oh, these are connections. Oh, this is a prayer life. And then number three, keep asking. Simply, God, would you speak to me now? I'm, he I'm here. And whatever you I'm gonna respond, whatever you say. And then finally, number four, respond, obey. And heads up, God will usually call us out of our comfort zone. Another word for that is growth. Um, America is not super into leaving comfort zones. We're a comfort kingdom. Uh, we're also an insurance kingdom, right? We are highly risk averse. We are a litigation culture. And life insurance, home insurance, car insurance, it's all about getting rid of liability, getting rid of risk. The kingdom of God could not be more different than American litigation culture. Um, God's kingdom is not risk averse. It's not anti-risk. The scriptures are clear. Following and obeying the voice of the lamb could get you killed. It could cost you your life. Remember what AJ said last week. The Holy Spirit gives us power, but not control. The only control the Spirit gives you is self-control. And this should bring us peace. Jesus said it this way. I've told, I told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross every day. Follow me. You guys, hearing God's voice means being willing to step into daily, risky, sacrificial obeying. God will call us out of our preferences. Are you okay with this? God is inviting you to be okay with his kingdom, more than okay, to realize that flourishing in his kingdom is what he has for you. Uh, calling you out of your preferences and your opinions and my comfort zones for the sake of the kingdom. And for some, for, for some of us, this could mean risking our lives. You know, maybe for 0.2% of us, we could end up risking our lives for the gospel. But you guys, we live in America where we are in the minority historically, where we can worship freely and not wake up every day wondering if we'll be thrown to the arena. So um, that is awesome in many ways, but, but, it, all, but it also means we need to self-select uh, self into an awareness of the sacrificial kingdom of Jesus. Um, for some of us, it might mean giving up our lives, but for most of us, it'll show up in like changing diapers and the ordinary everyday life stuff and the choices that we don't even know we make. Last, last example, um, before we come up, I'm gonna have us actually respond to the Spirit. If you want to hear God's voice or respond to something that's bubbling up today, um, we're gonna have a moment for praying. Uh, but just, just personal example, 
Like the way I often experience God's voice, you guys, is when I, this is my story. I'm a parent, so it's when I interact with, with my kids, uh, honestly. And, you know, the little ones are fighting. This happened recently. Uh, the, the, two, the two littles, nine and seven, I'm bathing them. And, you know, we have one of those shower wands that you can pull off and, like, spray everywhere. And uh, they sprayed me, and I was wearing nice clothes. So they, they like, Harper grabs it and just turns it to me, turns it full blast, and it, it gets everything wet. And my immediate, my immediate reaction uh, was, like, scream at the top of my lungs, anger. And so I'm like, no, why? And immediately, I, I immediately, so here's how the Spirit works with me. Um, I had a feeling. I had this gut thought that was as if it was placed in my body from outside of me. And it's like, is this my way? Was the question. Is this my way? Like, no. And then, is this my way? Jesus' way. And that happens so frequently. And and it happens so frequently that I, now, that happens. And sometimes I think of it as my own thought. Understand? This is the spirit animating a child of God. Um, I, I immediately had to respond <laughs> in, in to, to the humans in the room, not just the spirit, but in my mind, but the humans in the room and say, okay, hold on. What I, and I had to just go, what I just did, Harper, I'm sorry, this was not right. I just yelled, I am so sorry. That is not God. And that is not what I'm supposed to do as dad. I'm so sorry for yelling. That was not the right thing. Do you forgive me? I'm sorry. And she's like, yeah, you know, and she kind of squirts me a little bit. But so, so, but, but that dynamic, I'm trying to, I'm trying to shine a light on the dynamic. So the spirit, the spirit spoke to me in my sin immediately. 10 years ago, it would have been a scream thing and I probably wouldn't have apologized, but there's been growth so that now I felt almost as if it was my own thought. The Spirit is shaping me into the shape of Jesus, but I still needed to confess. So I would invite all of us into a moment similar to that. What is that moment for you now? How is Jesus wanting to push you forward and out of your comfort zone into growth, into Christ's likeness, by hearing and obeying his voice? Maybe it is about money. Or maybe it is about sexuality. Maybe it is about a relationship that's fractured. And, and there's a peace for you to own there. And it's very clear to you, even though it could spell a messy reconciliation, it's very clear that it's there. What would it look like for you to say, no, I'm going to hear and I'm going to obey. Um, that sense is the voice of God. Are you willing to invite the voice of God into that moment? Can we pray? Heavenly Father, um, we could all share stories of hearing and failing to respond or responding partway, feebly, Lord. Sometimes that's the best we have. So I pray right now that your spirit would come and lead us in responding to your voice. So let's just, let's just sit in his presence and ask ourselves, Am I willing to grow 
into the kind of person who regularly hears God's voice. This is the life he has for you, where prophecy is alive and active, not just in gatherings, but in your families, in your homes, in your dorms, in your workplace. This is what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. Are we willing, am I willing to hear and obey? So as we worship now, we're gonna come to the table at the end, but for like five to 10 minutes, let's respond. We're gonna sing, Drew's gonna lead us. And there's people up front who would love to just pray for you. You don't even need to say anything. Just you walking forward is a sign that you are ready to hear and obey and move forward with Jesus. I invite you to open yourself to what God wants to speak to you personally. So just to get us there, let's all stand together and sing. And as you feel led to respond, come forward. Let us pray for you. What better way to show I'm ready, I'm willing.